Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Business Growth Titans. And we have another Titan as a guest today. It's Chris McLean, all the way from Australia. He is a peak performance and transformation coach, and he helps agency owners transmute chaos into control and frenzy into flow through peak performance and flow states. That's a mouthful. But that's right. right? <laughs> you said a lot of words, but yeah, yeah. that's... That's it. That's the game plan right there. Th thanks for having me on, Stefan. So, yeah, it, it's great my pleasure. Always great to see other coaches on the show and yeah, coaches that also help agency owners. And yeah, but it's it's um, you've been into agency for a uh, quite a while. Uh, you had an agency for fifteen years. So yeah, yeah. what what got you into the agency world first of all? Good question. So I launched my agency in 2002, sort of way back when, sort of almost before digital was digital. Um, essentially, we were actually like a multimedia agency. That's how we coined ourselves at the time. Um, but I guess I came into it, I'd always been kind of creative, I guess, mm -hmm. like I did in high school. I did graphic design and creativity and I was always drawing and that kind of thing. So and I also loved ads, like way back when, when mm. TV ads used to be great, right? It's actually, mm. I really appreciated like really good, um, well put together advertising. Um, that's sort of been decimated a bit, um, you know, tw 20 odd years later or 20, 30 odd years later. I remember growing up as a kid in the 80s and 90s. It was just, you know, really, really uh, good commercials out there. And I used to love watching the, uh, they always had like the compilation shows. And sort of once a year, you'd have the best ads of the year, right? And there'd always be some some sexy nudie ad out of Europe, out of Eastern Europe, <laughs> you know, and sort of cheeky advertising. And so it was always great to sort of watch that. So I sort of had a an interest in sort of advertising, marketing, um, but also just generally just creative. So then when I, I stepped into university, um, I studied business, marketing, advertising. So advertising and marketing was the main thing that I focused on with a bit of sort of business and communications in the back end and a bit of philosophy. So mm. kind of all tied together to um, where I am now really. Um, but yeah, sort of did that, enjoyed, loved the creative process, loved creating ads, loved that whole creative process of, you know, coming up, getting a brief and then having to come up with a, a concept mm. and a creative piece and a visual and copy and all that stuff to bring that to life. So I really loved that process. Did really well in university. And then sort of in the last part of university, we <clears throat> actually did some sort of live case studies, I guess, or some live projects with agencies. And I got mm. a bit of a taste for agency life and sort of decided that I didn't want to work for an agency. <laughs> I was like, ah, <laughs> oh, damn it. After all of this, I kind of didn't really like the agency culture. There's something about it that just kind of put me off. You know, it was like a big incumbent when it, um, it was you know, one of these massive agencies. Um, here in Melbourne that we were working with and something about it sort of left a bit of a, a bad taste in my mouth. But then I sort of finished university and me and my best mate decided to start an agency together or start a business together. Um, so we sort of started this multimedia business. He'd studied multimedia design. So he had some basic like Dreamweaver and Photoshop um, way back when it was Mac Macromedia wow. before Adobe oh, purchased everything. <laughs> so, you know, Macromedia, uh, Photoshop, yeah, yeah. Macromedia, Dreamweaver. 
Um, so, you know, we, he had a bit of that background. I sort of had the marketing, communications sort of stuff. And essentially, we didn't want to work for anyone else. So it was that kind of classic entrepreneurial thing of we didn't really want to go work for somebody else and we thought let's just have a crack at it. Um, and, yeah, we sort of launched off in this sort of multimedia thing, started picking up a few clients. Um, at that time, we were quite heavily involved in sort of the, the dance music industry, um, the sort of techno and house industry here mm. in Melbourne. So we, we knew a lot of people in clubs. We'd, done, we'd run parties. We'd run events in that sort of industry before and that's really where our first um major clients and first we were designing flyers we really started just designing flyers for club nights for our mates that sort of grew to do, doing the same thing for some of the the bigger venues and bigger nights here in melbourne that led on to website work so we started building websites uh, for some of those same clients and then those grew into you know, longer term accounts where we handled all of the design all of the flyers all of the brochures a lot of the promo materials for a couple of those clubs. Um, so that that's really where we sort of started to get our, our initial traction. Also tapping into network, um, that was a massive place for us just to get like the, the brother of a friend who mm. had a business, who had like a dry cleaning business or a window business who needed a website. So we get in, we sort of build those relationships. So, yeah, that sort of in terms of advice for getting started, tapping network um, is low-hanging fruit, right? People sort of know, mm -hmm. like, and trust you already um, if you can get those little referrals. So that's really how we started. Um, and then off the back of that, we sort of started getting into more bigger brand names. We've got some you know, big contract sort of construction companies and really it was that that journey was really exciting because at the time, and for me, I was all self-trained. So, like, I, I hadn't learnt Photoshop. I hadn't learnt to design um, design platforms. So, we, it was really the case. We'd go to the market. Someone would say, look, I want this type of website and it, I want a fully flash animated website. And we'd go, oh, shit, we don't know how to do that. We'd better figure this out. And we'd just kind of get into the tools. We'd jump on the internet and go, how do you do this sort of thing? And we'd work out how to do these massive flash animations um, and all this kind of stuff. So really we, we learned as we progressed, mm. um, which for me was really exciting just to have that challenge of, you know, we, we had a basic knowledge. We knew we could do it, but the specifics of it we had to work out. So that, that was always a really fun challenge. And, yeah, from there it really just sort of grew over the years. We started bringing in team. Um, we sort of in those early days we sort of had five, five to ten staff fairly regularly. Um, and then sort of the, the over time we grew and then sort of 2008, 2009 was sort of this uh, inflection point for us where we had <clears throat> an opportunity from a big, a big digital agency um, out of Sydney that wanted to expand into the Melbourne market and essentially they wanted us to take their brand name and become mm -hmm. their brand name um, in Melbourne as sort of a, essentially a 50-50 split. So then that was really this opportunity of do, and at the time we weren't particularly specifically digital, where like they were just really websites, mobile, very, very traditional digital. Mm. We were doing a bit of the animation. We were doing video production at that time. So we had a bunch of other stuff that we were sort of quite interested in and doing at the time. So going traditionally digital was, was a bit of a 
do we want to sort of silo into that or not? And all the sort of the, the psychological and emotional questions of do we want to give up 50% ownership, right? And that it would have been a 50-50 split. Right now we've got 100%, but, yes, it's it's 100% of this. It could be 50% of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's always – that was a really interesting thing to go through. Um as as business owners, we get very attached to our business and it's mm-hmm. our business and we own all of it. And then it's like you start to divvy it up and you get a lot of emotional resonance there. And do I want to do that? Can I? Um, so that was always that really interesting conversation. Um, <clears throat> in the end, we sort of said no to that offer. It just didn't, didn't feel like the angle we wanted to go to. But instead, um, we brought in some sort of senior talent um, out of the UK. So we brought in a guy who'd been working in the UK for the last six or seven years in, in big digital agencies who'd come back to Melbourne who wanted to start something up or get involved with something. Um, so we brought him in to into the agency to give us that um, sort of higher-level digital agency global experience. But really interestingly, we actually then sort of pivoted into emerging tech so at that time, sort of 2008, 2009, we started getting really interested in the sort of emerging technology stuff that was coming out. So, you know, touch screens, gesture control, eye tracking, um, augmented reality, really, really early VR, like QR code, um, augmented yeah. reality. There was some cool, like BMW had done some cool stuff where you'd hold up a QR code and a car would drive around on the desk. Yeah. And it was really, really early days of that stuff. Yeah. Um, and that was fascinating to us. Now, we, we had sort of the video production by that point. We had the digital skill set. And, yeah, so that became a really interesting space and that's where we lent into and we sort of really pioneered a bit of that space. Um, so 2008, 2009, that stuff was really new. And, again, that, that was sort of this another inflection point where we, we were going into clients saying, hey, we can do this stuff. We haven't necessarily done it before, but here's here's some examples of what this might look like. Mm. Um, and again, it was that, a bit of that case of <clears throat> we know we've got capability to do this. We just need to sell something and get it going, and then we can start to build this up and build our own assets and get case studies. So it was really, really interesting in that, that sales cycle and that capacity to go in and sell something that doesn't exist yet to mm. somebody and... Um, so that was a, that, that was a really interesting time as well. And then essentially, yeah, we were able to start building more of those platforms. We brought in people at that time. We, we oscillated between sort of 30 and 40 staff between Sydney and Melbourne. Um, we sort of expanded and had a, a smaller office in Sydney. We started working across and we did some big launches for BlackBerry um, in Thailand and throughout Asia. Some of the, they opened these BlackBerry stores so we did like a full virtual fit out. We had touchscreen interactive content um, screens on the front. We had interactive content inside the stores, um, all this sort of stuff, work with some big telcos. So it was really interesting commercializing this stuff. Mm-hmm. And that was really the end. We talked emerging technologies. How do you take something like augmented reality, something like touchscreen, like essentially gaming platforms? How do we take gaming platforms and make that a commercial thing that you can use for advertising. And that was sort of what we, we did for the next oh, five or six years. Um, 
And then sort of the the way that ended out. So we also picked up a major airline client out of the Middle East, um, out of Abu Dhabi, and we were run, we ran that account. We were doing a lot of their interactive for um, the F1. So they were the major sponsor of the F1 in Abu Dhabi. Um, so we were working into the UAE a lot. We were running a lot of their event launches, doing a lot of video editing. And then eventually I sort of hit a pivot point personally and professionally, sort of around 2011, 2012. I had some life stuff that happened. Um, so sort of I'd come out of a the end of an, an eight-year relationship. Basically, I'd had a relationship the whole time I was building the business so that mm. there was some <laughs> some stuff that didn't go quite so great um, when you sort of try to combine those two and the, uh, the famine and feast cycle of starting a business and ha- trying to have a new relationship and have experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that had a lot of pressure. That sort of ended. And then also sort of 2011 uh, to early 2012, uh, my father passed away uh, from, from brain cancer. So that was a obviously a traumatic, significant event. So there's a few things that had sort of percolated and happened in that last few years. Um, Inside the agency, I was also getting a bit pushed into being one thing. So I was like, you know, the strategy director, sort of having a singular role, which Mm. for me, having been the business owner and done every, literally done everything and sort of been a part of everything and then sort of being siloed into one part, which I enjoyed, um, but which was one thing that that well, it started. There was a bit of an existential crisis, right? Of how do I now fit into this agency? That I'd be like, what's my identity in this agency? At that point, we had five partners in the business. So it was myself and my my best mate. So the original founders, the guy who brought in from the UK, video guy, a couple of other senior people who'd come in. So we're sort of at five or six senior people. Um, trying to run the business, which again is a whole other level of mm-hmm. headache. You're managing personalities. You just, mm-hmm. There's, you know, you're trying to manage all of that aspect whilst running, you know, 20, 30, 40 people staff wise as well. So it got very, very complex. And really, it was like, how do I fit into this business now? Mm-hmm. What's my identity in this business? Who am I in this business? Life stuff going on yeah. so at that point. I basically, I felt like I just had to leave the country. So I did and I left and I went to, I moved to Abu Dhabi. So because we had that client in Abu Dhabi and actually my my parents had lived in Abu Dhabi uh, for four years and I'd visited. So I was familiar with the place. I'd actually worked, um, I'd spent about three or four months um, sort of during that previous year in situ in Abu Dhabi working with uh, this airline client as well. So yeah, I sort of went, well, I just kind of want to pack up and have a change. Um, So moved to the Middle East and, yeah, parked myself in Abu Dhabi and I spent the next six years uh, living in Abu Dhabi and Dubai. And sort of over that time, the sort of I took the business out there, the business model, the business fit, and probably some of my personal stuff didn't quite work out so well. So I sort of folded the agency um, in in the Middle East over there and exited the company that the agency still runs now sort of moved under another guise and it's um, more focused on uh, commercial gaming platforms for shopping centers and malls and kids play. So a lot of the stuff we built, the platforms we built still exist. I mean that so that the entity still exists, but I'm not involved in it. Um, Yeah. And then I sort of just floated around the Middle East for a couple of years, um, ended up working for a big local agency 
which was interesting for me, having not having been a business owner and an entrepreneur and being self-directed and being autonomous to then go to being an employee. So that was an interesting experience to have. Um, and then eventually I left up, end up leaving Dubai in 2018 and came back to Melbourne and yeah, started working here for a bit and then kind of COVID hit last year. And that was, again, this other inflection point of, right, the work I was doing, I was chief marketing officer at a sustainability startup, so something completely different. Um, but then that sort of folded. We had to fold that business as COVID came in because we, we were working with uh, organisations in office towers and cafes in the city, and both of mm. those things evaporated overnight when COVID hit Melbourne. Yeah. Um, so essentially we sort of folded that business and I think as a lot of people did last year I, ha I had the chance to sit down and reflect and say well what do i actually want to do where am i what am i going to do how how am i going to make money how am i going to survive and what what do i actually want to do going forward and that's when i came back to coaching that's that's something i think that a lot of people experienced right but it really mm. sounds like over the course of all those years that that you've been in in business that you have been through a lot of those transformations or a lot of those transitions from from something that you were doing into something completely new completely new country mm. how was that how did you how did you manage that mindset like was that really really stressful how did you cope with that um i think that's actually if i had to boil my life debt like that's one of my superpowers i think is just i I have a capacity to deal with shit with and it probably <laughs> it probably it probably comes out of just running a business right yeah. it's like leave leave university start a business you kind of just got to work it out yeah um so uh, and you fail a lot and you put mm. all you put you put yourself under a lot of stress and you you put all your you you, know, you you build up all of your credit card debt and then you pay it off and then you get some wins and you so it's this constant battle and this this sort of st constantly stretching yourself over a tw 10 20 year period um so definitely actually yeah really yeah part of the entrepreneur like we know it and, mm. and the hustling part like and also learning on the job and figuring out creating your own story right yeah yeah, I, I love the entrepreneurial analogy of it's like building a plane while you're flying it. Yeah. Or like jumping off the cliff and building the <laughs> yeah. plane while you're falling. Exactly. Right. That that that's how it feels a lot of the time. Like you just got to get into it and you go and you're like, right, what do I need? <laughs> what do I need to pull together? Yeah. Um, but you're 100 percent right. That that really is a mindset. It's a mentality. Um, and it's also it's a also it's a belief system, it's an emotional intelligence to deal with that i think but i think somehow naturally i kind of had that that innate quality quality that i kind of always put myself under some sort of stress or duress in order to <laughs> to get um something yeah. interesting out of life whether that's a good thing or a bad thing i'm not sure um but i I'd, i've also tempered that with like what i call rigorous optimism and i think that is also a superpower tomorrow can always be better I can always do better tomorrow, even if today's just the shittiest day. I've just broken up. This has happened. I've had this. Tomorrow is going to be better. Tomorrow can be better. So having that as a sort of a guiding principle as well has really been um, something that's helped me. 
And is, is that something that, that you would say you can learn to do, or is that something that's just natural? It's not, because a lot of people would think, okay, being so positive all the time, everybody says be positive, especially in these times. But mm -hmm. how, how can you really become or, or get that mindset? Like now that's everything happening with COVID, how do you deal with that? Is there anything that, that we can learn from that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, it came very naturally. Um, yeah. I, I, I definitely got it from my dad. My dad was the eternal optimist. So I yeah. definitely inherited that from him. Um, so it's, it's fortunately for me, it's kind of just my natural state. But mm. I think it is absolutely trainable. Um, you know, optimism and pessimism is that classic glass half, half full, glass, mm -hmm. glass half empty. And so it comes down to perspective. And like you say, it comes down to mindset. Um, and that can be trained, that that positivity of just looking at things differently, shifting perspective. Um, framing is a really important tool where you can start to build this sort of optimism skill of how are you looking at this situation? How do you, you know, optimism versus pessimism is really when you're looking at something, what meaning are you? Uh, what meaning do you attribute to that thing? Is this a negative experience? Is it a positive experience? And if you get to decide that, why not choose the better version? Mm. Why not assign a meaning to this event, to this situation that's going to propel me to the things that I actually want? That's going to help me. That's going to make me feel better. That I'm going to enjoy the outcome. So it does come down to, for me, I think it, it is trainable and it comes mm -hmm. down to that shifting in mindset, but framing as a methodology, I think just shifting that frame and reframing, what does this mean? Like, what do I want it to mean? And then attributing that meaning to that situation can really, really help. Um, yeah, and there, there's certainly some some neurochemistry and some biology that um, mm -hmm. supports um yeah, being more positive and having that that optimistic frame around um, how you decide to see the world, how how are you going to color your experience? Um, and it, I, I imagine if you're not an optimistic person, then it can, it, yeah, it can be difficult to do. Um, but mm. I think it is learnable. I think it is a trainable skill set, and really important. It's really, really important, particularly um, with yeah. what we're going through you know, what we're going through at the moment and we'll continue to go through over the next five to 10 years. I mean, this stuff's not going away. It's more important than ever to have that skill set, to have that capacity to deal with a whole lot of volatility and uncertainty. Was that something that, that you also discovered that when COVID hit, you said that you had to make that transition again and, and find something that you really mm. love to do? Was that also part of it? Like you knew that you had that natural capacity to help people to learn those things, to become then that transformation coach. Was that something mm. that, that propelled this? Or yeah, I think probably did. Um, I'd sort of done a bit of coaching in the past. I was in sort of an affiliate marketing business for a while, and a part of that was a a brand coaching um, mm. aspect. So I'd done a bit of coaching there. I'd done some sort of consulting level. Um, coaching as well so it's something I'd always wanted to come back to and lean into more um, and I think again I also I always did have that always wanted to contribute something significant right I always wanted to do something that was going to help other people propel the world forward um, give something 
back, right? Do something big, do something better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess a lot of this all, all also tracks back to, so in the, when we, we started the business, we'll be a few years in and we got to that point of sort of how do we grow this business, right? How do we get more clients? How do we grow this thing? How do we make this sustainable? And there's sort of two options, right? It's like, do we just lean in and look at systems and function and business mm-hmm. or do I look at myself as a system, myself? Do I look at my habits? And mm-hmm. for me, I went that way. I went internal rather than external. I went, if I make myself better, then I'm going to make the business better. If I can become more self-aware, if I can become more confident, if I can become better at how I show up and what I do, that will trickle down and that will make the business better. That was my thinking at the time and that's when I started picking up Tony Robbins and Robin Sharma and sort of went down that um, sort of personal development pathway um, and that was and that's now you know, fit, or probably 10, 15 years of that sort of journey and reading and leaning into all of this stuff. So that probably helped as well, just getting those that sort yeah. of mentorship from guys like that from from Tony Robbins and looking at NLP and you know, all these sort of practices and mindfulness and gratitude and visualization and this kind of stuff that sounds quite basic, but mm-hmm. it expands your consciousness, right? It expands what's possible for you. And the more you start to project yourself out of your own stuff and can yeah. start to think a bit broader and have that more global perspective and get out of yourself a bit and get out of your own way, I think that can really, really help. It's really powerful stuff that seems simple, but when you do it, it's profound. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying, and it is truly important that, that people try to get more open-minded, especially if they're stuck in a certain situation with their agency. I mean, you've experienced this as well, when you have to transition from one thing to another, you have to be open-minded, you have to to think about more than just what's in front of you. Mm-hmm. And to do that, yeah, you, you need to be in another place. This is also, I, I look more, if I go to a customer, I look more indeed to the external things like systems mm-hmm. and team and so on. I also look a little bit at leadership, but the way that you look at it really from the internal person is, is so huge as well. For me as well, as um, for me myself, I made a transition as well when COVID started. I, I picked up some habits like morning routine, for example, or mm-hmm. some mindfulness. And the way that this helped me to get through that situation uh, is, is enormous. So, and I just scratched the surface for sure. Yeah. So I truly believe in this. What would you say to people that are still like, oh, but this is all woo-woo, it's not right, it's, this will not help me. Why would that bring me more customers, for example? How would that bring me more revenue? How would that help me my business? I mm-hmm. think you, you get these questions a lot on these objectives. What do you say yeah. to those people? Yeah, I mean, the, the exciting um, place that we're in now is that we're, we're able to start to peer, peek under the hood of this stuff. So we're actually like able to look at, do fMRI and brain scans on meditating monks. We're able to look mm. at gratitude practice and understand what happens in the brain and what does that trigger. And so we're starting to understand kind of the neurobiology and the neurochemistry 
um, of the nervous system and the brain and how this stuff actually impacts us. Mm-hmm. So actually, there's there's it's been known it's not it's been known for millennia that this stuff's really good. You know, breathing, just breath work, is amazing mm-hmm. for centering and building energy. Mindfulness, meditation, gratitude practice. We've known this for centuries. It's nothing new. But we're now at the point that we can actually start to look at this stuff and look at what's happening in the brain and in the nervous system. So we, we, we can prove that this stuff helps, right? So it's starting to get a bit more of an engineering, right, systems yeah. perspective. Um, so actually able to decode gratitude, like why, how does gratitude actually help? Um, so you can look at, I mean, and out of everything, gratitude and mindfulness are two of the most potent things that you you can do to bring yourself into alignment with who you are. And a lot of it just comes down to stress management. Mm -hmm. As as a business owner, we go out and there's there's a lot of pressures. There's a lot of pressures. We've got to grow our business. Maybe we really need to close some deals. And then on top of all of that, so we've got all this kind of financial stuff and that brings up our emotions and it brings up our attachment stuff and it brings up a lot of self-talk around are we worthy, are we deserving, then a lot of that stuff can come up particularly with money and then we're running a business so we get attached to this entity and this thing and this Mm. identity as an entrepreneur and on top of that now we've got to manage people and staff and relationships so we need, you know, emotional intelligence and all this other stuff and relationship capacity and that's just work and then we've got, family and relationships and everything else that everybody else has to deal with so there's actually a lot going on when we just we we make this decision to be an an entrepreneur Mm. Um, and i think it it can be particularly difficult for creative business owners and agency owners because we're not a lot of us come from like i'm a great coder i'm a photographer i'm a Mm. designer i'm an art director and I love doing that, but now I'm also the business yeah. person and I've got to do the finance and I've got to do accounts and mm. I've got to do business modeling and all this other stuff that I'm, I'm maybe not great at or I'm not really familiar with. So it adds all, there's a whole lot of different texture going on. So basic stuff like breath work and gratitude gives us a capacity to deal with stress. It gives, gives us a, so basically how, what gratitude does is it gives it, it basically it, when you're thankful for what's around you, you're thankful for what you've had. If you can just every day write down three things that went well during the day that you are thankful for. You know, I'm grateful for Stefan for inviting me on his podcast um, where I can you know, have a great conversation and maybe connect to some people. I'm grateful that I've got this microphone that allows me to connect with the world. I've got these light. So it doesn't have to be significant stuff. Um, but when you're showing appreciation and gratitude for what you already have, it actually just re- it reduces your stress. It reduces mm. literally in the body. It starts to reduce cortisol levels. It starts to reduce the stress chemistry in your body and you start to switch from you know fight or flight from stress mode into the parasympathetic nervous system. So you've got the sympathetic nervous system, which is, right, I'm ready for action. I'm ready to go. Um you know, that, that's one system, that's your action response system, which is really great when you go in a workout or you've got to run away from a tiger, really <laughs> good to have. But you don't want that switched on all the time. And mm-hmm. that's unfortunately modern life. Psychological stress, social stress, 
in the body and in the brain has the same response as running away from a tiger. Mm -hmm. So we're designed to have fight or flight, respond, flee, get safe, and then return back to homeostasis to return back to the parasympathetic mm -hmm. system, which is all the automatic stuff like digestion, relaxation, you know, lymph flushing, nitrous oxide flushing mm -hmm. through the system, and relaxing and recovering. That's how we're meant to work, right? Bit of stress and then recover, bit of stress, then recover. And that's really good. We want that stress. We want that kind of acute stress where because we, we want to build the system, we want to build that capacity, we want to build mm -hmm. that stress response. But then we want to recover to lax. Um, think of working out, right? You want to go and you want to work the muscle out and then you want to recover it because it's yeah. in the recovery that it actually gets stronger. Yeah. The problem comes when you're just building, 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 building and not recovering. Then so you Yeah. Then you burn out. That's how you break and that's how you burn out. So, so something like gratitude practice allows yeah. the body to shift state and to start to recover and start to refresh itself. That's that's actually a good analogy if you're talking about working out a lot. And that's what a lot of physical trainers say, and it's science, it's true. You have the rest is the most important piece. And I love it when you say that. You, you also say like um, for, for an agency owner, it's not only about hustling, hustling, hustling. In fact, you say um, in order to go fast, you have to go slow. So you have to get that rust, uh, that rest, you know, you have to get recharge your batteries in order to get to that next level, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's a, a great analogy, right? If you're just working, if you're just doing um, curls all the time, if you're just doing curl, if you go and you do you know, a couple of sets and you really get pumped up and then you, you let your body recover and rest. It's as, you, as exactly like you said, it's the rest and recovery where the strength happens. That's where the gains mm -hmm. happen. It's not actually when you're breaking down the muscle, but there's a particularly in entrepreneurship and business, there's the idea that the more curls I do, the stronger I'm going to get. If I just keep doing curls mm -hmm. and not shut down, I'm going to get better. And you can probably do that for a little bit, right? It's, they're beneficial for a little while, but eventually you just kind of plateau in this gray zone yeah. of just kind of hustle and grind and punching through and not oscillating with your natural biorhythm, mm. right? So we all have biorhythms. We have, you know, you circadian rhythms, right? That's a 24 hour cycle where we're, you know, we're awake, we're asleep, we're awake, we're asleep. Mm. And then, but during the day within a 24 hour period, we have what's called ultradian rhythms. And this is sort of these 45 to 90 minute cycles where you want to ride this peak and sort of at the top of that is where you're most astute, you're most focused, you're most attention, and then your energy naturally just kind of drops mm -hmm. off. And then so when that energy dropping off, just powering through, you're not taking advantage of the peak. And if you're not recovering, then you don't bounce back up and take right mm -hmm. advantage of that next peak. So when you're powering through, you're sort of going through the line rather than oscillating, getting this amazing peak performance, getting more attention, actually being more productive, being mm -hmm. way more focused, better energy, better attention. So you're getting more done in that 45 minutes when you're super focused and then taking a 10-minute break and then coming back and doing another 45 minutes and then taking a 10-minute break. Scientifically, biologically, that's how you get your your biology to actually work for you rather than pushing back against your mm. natural rhythms. 
So we want to start to oscillate with those natural rhythms as much as possible. And that's sort of where this whole idea, you know, 45 to 90 minute um, work blocks with 10 to 15 minute breaks in between, that's a way more effective way to work. And you actually get more done longer than if you're just burning through. Um, mm. But it's, it's a weird felt sense because there's this weird felt sense that I'm productive because I'm busy. I'm busy, I'm doing, I'm meeting, I'm call, I've got all this stuff I'm going on and I'm busier. So that means I'm really productive. But if you look at it, they're probably not actually getting that much work done or they're busy on all this other stuff rather than the two or three tasks <laughs> that if they yeah. spent two hours every day just doing those tasks, they'd significantly grow their business and the rest would either become redundant or unnecessary. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I do I do a similar exercise with uh, the, the agency owners and I tell them like, okay, for the next couple of days, just write write down every 30 minutes what you do, right? Mm. And if I did that exercise, I was surprised. Like sometimes I, I spend 30 minutes just doing like nothing, just like not knowing where, where to go to because you go from one thing to another or you're, you're constantly multitasking, but you're, mm -hmm. what did you actually do? Um, for me, it was like a challenge as well. Like you said, 45 minutes to, to maybe nine uh, or, or 30 minutes to do something and then having that break. For me, it's a challenge. It mm -hmm. was one and it still is a little bit like when you take that break, it feels like, okay, I was really productive, but now if I stop, I feel like, to get back on track again, it takes me longer or I'm not going to be able to catch on again. Like what is your go to exercise or method to, to make sure that if you take that 15 minute break, that you can immediately start again into a more productive flow? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I mean, that, that, that's really, really good question. Really interesting. So it depends what you do in that break. And it mm. depends how, how you've, again, how, how have you framed that 45 to, min, to 90 minutes of work? Yeah. So if you're, if you're spending that 45 minutes of work and you've got kind of distractions, right? You're kind of doing the task, but you're a bit distracted. You, your phone's lighting up, your attention's being pulled away. Even just notifications on your screen, like you're working on your screen and a notification pings up and you, that draws your attention. That 45 minutes actually isn't that productive. So you're getting some stuff done, but maybe it's, it's probably not as productive as it could be. Um, so every every time we get distracted, it takes four to five minutes to actually get back on task. Mm. So even if it's your phone lights up and you take a glance at it, right, that that that's pulling you off task. Yeah. So that if you can get that 45 minutes hyper-focused and distraction-free, so literally like raise to wait and just turn your phone off, turn notifications yeah. off. Don't, you know, as you talked about, task switching is horrendous. Get one task done, one browser window, hyper-focus, <laughs> uni task on that one thing for 45 minutes. You'll get significantly more output from that 45 minutes than you might get over for if you're task switching and distracted. So that's sort of the first thing. Get mm -hmm. You want to be hyper-focused in that 45-minute block. And then the way you take the break is actually really important. So you want to have a, a, a low co a cognitively unstimulating break. So talk about stuff like going for a walk is good. Mm -hmm. If you just go out, um, 
and you just take a walk out in nature, maybe do some light exercise, you do a bit of yoga, a bit of stretching. You can also just do wall staring. You can literally just stare at a wall for five minutes. So the idea is we're in flow, like we're, we're dropped in, we're deep focused in this 45 minutes. Our biology says, okay, that's, that's my focus is starting to wane. We want to deliberately drop out and we want to recover, but we don't want to go and read a book or have a conversation or watch Netflix or we don't want to essentially when you're in a flow state, when you're in deep focus, there's parts of the brain that kind of wink out. So this prefrontal cortex, this pre, this sort of front, front yeah. part of the, the brain, parts of that tend to blink out when you're in a, a flow state. So that's where if you've experienced flow states, um, sense of self kind of disappears and time moves di differently, like time yeah. moves in a weird way. And that's because that stuff gets calculated in that prefrontal cortex. So the important thing there is when you're in flow, that sense of identity, that self-talk, that inner critic kind of quietens down and that's what happens in that flow. So when you come out into that break, if you go into Facebook, you check your phone, you have a conversation, all of that stuff comes roaring back, right? All the identity, all the stuff comes back. You want to avoid that. So that's mm -hmm. what's going to throw you off. If you go off and you go straight into your phone and you check messages, it's going to bring all that self back. A lot of that's going to come back. Whereas if I just go for a walk, I stare at a wall, I do some stretching, and then I drop back into 45, another 45-minute block, I'm still somewhat in that zone. I'm still somewhat mm. connected to that state. Um, so you want to have it – basically, you, you want to get really good at boredom. You want to get really good at being bored. Um, and there's there's some, literally some training you can do. You know, t take a weekend off and just get used to being unstimulated. Oh. The better you can get at delayed gratification and being unstimulated – um, the, the better you're going to be at, at managing this stuff. But, yeah, the, the way you take the break is really, really important. Yeah, I, I need to try that because I, I'm, I'm particularly, like, in the weekends as well, I, I'm, I try to be always productive. And I always say to my partner as well, yeah, be productive. And, and when I just have a moment when I'm doing nothing, after, like, five or ten minutes, I already get a sense, like... I'm doing I should be doing something, and, and actually, I should be not doing anything, right? Mm. I should really be letting the boredom come in, and and yeah. So it's mm. it's a challenge for me. I think it's for many other agency yeah. owners as well a challenge. So a challenge is Yeah, it's really it's really important. So sorry, sorry to cut in, but that giving yourself space like so we, we work mm -hmm. in creative industries right we're creative yeah. people we need almost creativity on tap our brains are really great at creativity that's what they're designed mm -hmm. for they're designed for pattern recognition right here's an idea here's something else i learned 10 years ago making that connection and turning that into something novel and useful mm -hmm. that's essentially what creativity is and we want a lot of that and we get that in flow and we get that in in peak performance states. We don't get that when we're distracted, when we're thinking too much, when we're all up in our heads, right? When we're thinking and trying to solve the problem, when we're trying to do the thing and we're trying to think and we're strategizing mm. while we're working, while we're doing that and we're really using our, our conscious memory to try and do stuff, that creativity can't happen. There's too much processing going mm. on. So that's where these breaks and taking time out for me going for a walk 
is amazing. If you've been doing some work and you're sort of trying to figure stuff out, like writing or whatever it is, you take that break, your brain can just go to work solving the problem, right? The subconscious kicks in and it will go off and it will solve a lot of the stuff that you're ruminating on. And then when you come back, bang, you're mm. more focused. And you've already, like I'll, I'll go for a walk and I'll have ideas for videos and I'll literally go through the entire script while I'm walking and then I can sit down and I can shoot the video in five minutes because I've kind of scripted yeah. it out. Or if I'm writing, I'll I'll have written the blog post in my head just because I'm walking. I'm, I'm I've moved away from the problem, but I'm using my brain for what it's really good at. It's really good at that pattern recognition. It's really good at problem solving and creativity. If I give it that space, I'm actually going to be way more effective when I get back to work, rather than stressing and thinking and being distracted or dropping into my phone and taking my mind off it that way that's still filling me with information i'm getting bombarded by text and information and all of this stuff's happening that's not beneficial and that if i do that and come back now i've got all this other stuff that i've got to get rid of to get back yeah. into focus yeah yeah exactly and that's that's indeed a good good suggestion there and i think that's where my problem definitely will be as well yeah, yeah. so chris tell me like the, the people that you're helping right now, those are also agency owners in, mm -hmm. in a particular state in their company. Like, what, what is the most common thing that you see if people come to you? Um, yeah, sort of. I mean, it's a lot of what we we're just talking about. That yeah. that switch, that switching off, um, is really hard for a lot of agency owners because we, we there's a tendency to be kind of a type hard charger, entrepreneur. Um, but what we see out in the world is hustle culture, right? We see yeah. hustle and grind. We're told that hustle and grind and hard work, even working mm. smart, but hard work and hustle and grind, that's how you do it. And there's some truth to that, right? Sometimes you just got to get shit done, mm. right? At certain points in the business, if you're just starting out, hell yeah, you got to hustle. <laughs> you got to make the calls. You got to do the outreach. You got to build your business. You got to get yourself so that you're stabilized. But again, if you're hustling hard, you also want to be recovering hard. Mm -hmm. And this is where you want to, you can crush it for three hours and get super focused and do that hustle and grind and get your stuff done. But then you want to do some yoga. You want to take a walk. You want to come down from that so that your system can reset and you can come back better prepared for the next yeah. session of hustle rather than hustle, 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 hustle. Like that, yeah. that is not a great way to perform. But there is a perception that that's how you do business. Um, and there is a bit, particularly in agencies, if people mm. that work, I mean, I was looking at some statistics a few weeks ago from a study that was done not that long ago. And in your big incumbent agencies, like your George, George Pat's, YNIs, like your big agencies, the burnout rates are not insignificant. They were talking like 60 up to 77%. Wow of employees are experienced oh. burnout, which is, that's that's Very most good. of your people. That, yeah. That's that's toxic. Um, so people that come out of that and have maybe people that have worked in agencies and then start their own sort of have that expectation of yeah, hustle, yeah. grind, expectation that you work weekends. So there's a lot of sort of toxicity that comes out of that agency culture that may not be necessary. I think we can shift away from that. Um, even having conversations yeah. with um, someone on my podcast the other day and their, their agency culture is completely different. 
they don't focus on time they focus on the output right what's yeah. the creative idea you can have an amazing idea that comes to you in the shower in five minutes and it's a multi-million dollar viral campaign how are you going to charge for that it's not a time-based thing it's mm -hmm. an output-based thing so when you set those conditions to allow creativity to allow inspiration to happen as well as allowing people to you know, work when they want to work give them mm -hmm. some sense of autonomy all these sorts of things it gives your it gives your biology breathing space to have that idea in five ten minutes rather than trying to push 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 work a 20 hour day just because you think that's what you have to do to charge more hours so yeah. it, it's, it's always a really interesting conversation because again agencies yeah. sell time right so we, we're selling time but maybe we're not maybe we're selling attention we're selling results we're selling output so that shift, I think, can be the heart because it's it's almost black and white. Mm -hmm. like hustle, 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 push, push. <laughs> allow, slow down, take a break. It's really this is a. I'm an entrepreneur. I've got to hustle. This is kind of soft skill and meditation and <laughs> this yeah. woo woo stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, business owners think about more about the numbers and the hard stuff that that they can see results right away, right? Yeah. And I also feel Which that is important. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Of course, it's important. But but having that other aspect of slowing down and working on when when you can and then having that flexibility is so important as well. Mm -hmm. I've been in corporate uh, for over a decade and still there is still that perception as well. Like you have to work from nine to five, for example, and you have to do that. And if you don't do that, you're not productive, right? And mm -hmm. It's it's amazing how they still think like that, and and even now that I have transitioned into more the agency business yeah. owner, you can see that there as well. It's it has to change because like in these times as well with COVID, you yeah. have to adapt, and you have you have a mixed balance now. You're working at home, you're having a family, you have to work, so it's even a bigger challenge, right? To to have yeah. that. So yeah, yeah. I, I believe in it wholeheartedly. Like, and and I read an article not not so long ago that Salesforce, the CEO from Salesforce, said like, we're not going back to 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 the normal. Like, the nine to five is dead. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's not sustainable. It's not something that we can do anymore. So, mm. yeah, I completely agree. So, yeah. if an agency owner comes to you, what is like the first thing? that you say to him? Uh, it really depends where they're at. But yeah. a lot of the, essentially we start with mindset, right? Mindset is kind of the first place. And we look at fixed versus, is it, are you in a fixed mindset or a growth mindset? Mm. If you're not, if you don't have a growth mindset and you don't have some optimism baked into how you're thinking, that's the, that's the thing you got to get right first. Mm. If you're in a fixed mindset, um, we sort of talk about this idea of locus of control as well, right? If you have an external locus of control, that's more like a fixed mindset where you feel like you're kind of a victim in life, right? The world happens to you. Life happens to me. I'm kind of this victim of circumstance. Um, but that also shows up in client relationship, right? Mm -hmm. um, I had a really interesting conversation the other day. And agency owners can get themselves kind of in this victim um, mentality in this victim circumstance with their clients where they're not setting the right expectation or they're not setting the relationship up in a way that's right for them 
and how they mm. choose to operate their business, yeah, yeah, yeah. the times that they choose to work, the way they want to be communicated to, the money they want to charge. If they're not really clear on that and they don't have that lined up, the client becomes right. The client wants it tomorrow. The client doesn't want to pay that much. The ch client doesn't want to pay for change requests. The client needs it. The client, the client, the client, and you become the victim of your own business, mm -hmm. right? And then that, unfortunately, that becomes systemic, and that's where that that hustle culture and that sort of comes from that top down. Because me as the owner, suddenly I'm playing victim to my clients, mm -hmm. and then I've got to pass that on. Eventually, even if I'm an amazing person eventually yeah. it kind of gets too much and I just, I've got to pass it on and look, the client wants it tomorrow. So you've got to get it done tomorrow because that's yeah. your job. And I don't care if you've got to stay up till three in the morning, it just has to be done. Yeah. That can, that can go away if you set different expectation with your clients to begin with. And a lot of that comes back to mindset, right? Mindset, belief systems, values, being aligned to all mm. of that stuff. If you don't have that to begin with, it can be a really slippery slope to getting into that victim mentality. And that's a really, a lot of agency owners just end up there because they don't kind of think about this stuff. So mm -hmm. that that's important. That's a critical thing. If you don't have that mindset, then nothing else is really going to matter yet. <laughs> that's the yeah. first port call. Um, and then one, if we got that right, then we, we look at stuff like motivation, like how do you get motivated? How do you, and then, you know, how do, how do you, build passion and purpose and value into what you're doing so that every day you show up excited to get to work. How do you line, how do you stack that stuff up? And then how do you sort of support that with goals, right? How do you systemize motivation? How do you turn passion into here's my five year plan, but in the next five minutes, this is what I need to do to get to move towards that. Mm. So goal settings really important. And then also on the back of that, you've got to build some redundancy with grit. Because some days it's going to be yeah. shit and, <laughs> and some days you're not yeah. going to feel energizer bunny level of motivation and energy. It's just going to be shit, but you're going to have to do the stuff anyway. And that's grit. That's resilience. That's just grinding it out. And you're going to need some of that skill set as well. So that's just life. Every day is not um, fairies and rainbows <laughs> and sunshine. There's tough days, right? So you're going to have to deal with that as, as well as you can be set up and motivated. There's days you're going to have to have some grit and some resilience baked in. Um, and then on top of that, we can get into, we sort of get into flow states and how do I become more prone to accessing mm. that state of consciousness more regularly? Because when I can, you see like 500% boost in creativity, 430% boost in pattern recognition and problem solving and learning. All this stuff goes off the charts when you're regularly dropping into flow states. And that's when every hour, for every hour you're working, your output, if you can do four or 500% better mm. out of every hour, this is where we sort of talk about essentially you can go to work on Monday and take the rest of the week off and be equivalent to your steady state peers, right? People yeah, that yeah. aren't actually at that level of consciousness and, and aren't that productive, that's the sort of significance. But then imagine you're doing that every day, every mm. week, or five, six hundred percent more effective every mm. single day than your competition. That stacks pretty readily. And then if you can bake that into your team, and your team is three, four, five, six hundred percent more effective every single day, day on day on day on day, that's pretty significant competitive advantage. Yeah, that's massive. And, it, and it's buying time back for all those people to be more creative, to enjoy yeah. themselves. And to have time for their family and their friends and to go surfing, right? And do the stuff that they want to do. 
because they're not having to do a 20-hour day just to survive. That's so important. That's so important. And it's so valuable as well mm-hmm. for anybody that's listening. Look, uh, Chris, uh, I would love to talk more and more and more, but we're almost at the one Probably bedtime for you soon, yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> late for you, man. <laughs> so I need to, I need to uh, slow down a little bit now. And, <laughs> but um, where, where can people find you? If, you? if they want to know more about this, if they really want to know more what you're doing and how you can help them, where can they find you? So I'm pretty much uh, the Chris McLean everywhere, except for Instagram, um, where I'm... <laughs> v.chris.mclean so if you know that other chris mclean um telling me this yeah. give me my handle um but vchrismclean.com um is my website they can find out more about me they can access um some free training as well that'll sort of give you some clarity around how you can bake this stuff into your um into your days instagram yeah the v.chris.mclean facebook i'm the uh, chris mclean that's my page but i'm also uh, chris mclean coach i think is my personal profile you can hit me up there. Um, LinkedIn, the Chris McLean. So you can find me. Pretty much look the Chris McLean, you'll find me. <laughs> so uh, you, you got a training here. This is the link here, right? Yeah, so that'll take you to the training on my website. And that's a, a free training that'll take you through basically how to systemize a lot of this stuff. So essentially, cool. if you can take any technique rather than trying to chase the next thing, if you know how to get clients, if you've gotten one, you can get 10. It's just mm. about dropping that technique into a better state of consciousness, into a flow state, and then being able to regenerate your energy so you can continue to do this stuff day in, day out. And essentially a lot of the stuff we've talked about here today, slow down, look after the human behind the business, and that'll propel the business forward. So if you're interested, jump in and check that link out. So check it out here. The link is here. Thanks a lot, Chris. It was really, really good to have you on the show. Thank you for your time. And let's catch up later. Uh, I love what you do, and uh, yeah, definitely worth another talk. Definitely. Yeah, so we'll, we'll do another couple hours one day. We'll just do like yeah, a half yeah, day. Sure. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Awesome, have a nice day. Thanks have a nice weekend. Bye, everybody. Thanks for uh, listening. Thanks, everyone. Yeah. Thanks, Stefan. Bye. Cheers, man.